This is Linux Reality, Episode 36, Other Window Managers. Hello, this is Chess Griffin, uh, and I'm the host of Linux Reality. This is a podcast aimed at new Linux users. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. I hope you'll stay subscribed and uh, check out the show. And for those of you who have been listening for a while, welcome back. Sure to appreciate it. Uh, last week, we got a lot of great feedback to the uh, episode on Fluxbox, and I'll get to that during the uh, feedback section. So, uh, you know, just kind of stay tuned for that. Uh, I wanted to mention that uh, I had, you know, mentioned last week, I guess, that I was going to add the link to the AUG files, and I did that in last week's episode, and so far, everything seems to be okay. I got a couple reports from iTunes users that it, it downloaded fine, it was normal, uh, and I checked out uh, uh, what I use, which is a little shell script uh, that downloads things. I, I was I thought maybe it would download both, because they would both be within the one feed, but it didn't. It just downloaded the one. Uh, I actually subscribe to both the MP3 and the AUG, so I can check them and make sure the the feeds you know work uh, whenever I make a change or whatever. So anyway, if you have any issues with the feeds, MP3 or AUG feeds, just let me know. The other thing I wanted to mention here initially was just to remind everyone about the forums. I've mentioned it here and there, but if you go to the Linux Reality homepage and click on forums, uh, you know, there's really been some great discussions there lately, and and uh, there's there's a lot of posts each day, and a lot of new users come and post little introductions, and everybody kind of says hello, and I try to make a make it a point to respond to everybody's introductory post, and uh, we've had some really cool Linux discussions, both about distributions and people asking for help and things like that. We've got a you know everybody's favorite uh, thread on screenshots of people's desktops. That's always fun to see. I've got screenshots of my desktops in there as well. And uh, we've had some other cool discussions too. Uh, someone started a thread on eMusic, which was kind of interesting because I had looked at eMusic over the years off and on, never really looked into it very seriously. But um, there was a special where you could, normally they give you, I think, 25 free downloads, and they were doing it for 50 free downloads. And so I decided to sign up and check it out. You know, if nothing else, I'd get the 50 free downloads. But um, you know, the nice thing about eMusic is it's completely DRM-free. Uh, and it's, I mean, you just download, it, they're just MP3 files, and they're pretty high quality. I think the ones I've downloaded have been, oh, in, in the, you know, in terms of the bit rate, it's been over 200. I think the iTunes Music Store, I think all those songs are 128. And so these are probably twice the quality, you know, superior quality. And like I said, no DRM. That's the best thing. The DRM just, mm, gosh, I just really, <laughs> really don't like DRM. And then, and then there's a, um, and then there's another thread that I actually started. It's it's about what I've done recently with my USB key. I've got a one gigabyte uh, USB key, and what I did was I put, I formatted it and put and made a big uh, partition with TrueCrypt, which is a way to encrypt the USB key. Uh, so if I lose it, you know, every, you know, all the data has been encrypted, and so it's secure. But and then within the encrypted partition, I've got I I unzipped or I unpacked the the DSL Linux, which is one of these, you know, little teeny tiny distributions, there's one that's called, um, I think it's embedded version. And if you unzip that, if you unpack that, it's got two little scripts, one for Windows and one for Linux. And, and it, and it includes the QEMU free little virtual machine. And so it's a way to run DSL Linux off the USB key from within Windows or from within Linux. 
And then I've also got some portable applications on there, portable Firefox, portable Thunderbird, portable Putty uh, to SSH in, and a couple others. I can't remember now which ones they are, but it's just great. It's so cool. And I've got a little uh, little removable keychain thing that clicks onto my car keys, and so I just take this thing with me everywhere, and it's got everything you need. So it's just really cool. So anyway, the point is we've really got some really neat discussions in the forums, and so I definitely encourage you to, to check out the forums and consider subscribing if you haven't done so already. All right, I think with that, it's about time to get to the main topic of today's episode, and that's other window managers. Okay, well, I wanted to wrap up this this, uh, this sort of several-part series on window managers by covering several here, and there's going to be <clears throat> quite a few, and I haven't tried all of them in depth. I mean, I've, I've, I've tried them all. I've used them. I've, I've run them. Some to a little bit more degree, some to a little lesser degree. So this is going to be pretty generalized, and it's really just to kind of uh, point out these different window managers out there, and to tell you a little bit about them, to kind of pique your interest. And if you're, you know, if you're curious, you can go check them out on your own. Uh, because I just really love window managers. I just think window managers are so cool. Uh, okay, the first one here is one called is is one that's called OpenBox. And this one I've used quite a bit. And OpenBox is, as you can tell, it's probably, you know, it sounds like Fluxbox. Uh, it's kind of sort of similar in some ways, but it's got some differences. And so let me see if I can try to explain to you what, what OpenBox is or what its features are. The first feature is it's very minimalistic. You know, when you run Fluxbox, you get um, the, the little toolbar at the bottom of the screen. And, of course, you have the root panel that you get on the desktop when you right-click. In OpenBox, you get the root menu, and that's it. There's no panel, and and so it looks very, I mean, it looks really plain. When you run it, when you first run it, you just it could be just a black screen. depends on how it's configured. Obviously, you can set a background to it, and you can use actually that Fay program that I mentioned last week to, to set up a background for your OpenBox session. But it's really, the nice things about OpenBox is that it's really light and fast. It's lighter and faster than Fluxbox, I think. I think it uses a little bit less memory, at least in my sort of, you know, unofficial, totally subjective benchmarks looking at my resource usage when running OpenBox versus Fluxbox. Flux, OpenBox takes up less RAM. It, it has uh, very customable customizable keys and even I think that I think you can even customize like mouse gestures or something or mouse clicks I have never customized the mouse because I, I I tend to really stick with the keyboard I just love using the keyboard and so I my, my mouse usage with some of these other window managers is minimalistic but I think you can customize the mouse buttons and the mouse keys or something it also has kind of neat window resistance, and that's something that's sort of a feature you see in GNOME and, and I think maybe KDE these days. I'm not sure, but I don't usually, I don't believe you've got that in Fluxbox. But it kind of gives you, you know, when you kind of click and drag a window over to the edge of the screen, it kind of, or or up against another window, it kind of sort of has a little resistance before it it passes over uh, the other window. That's kind of kind of nice. Um, one other feature or unique aspect of OpenBox is that the configuration files are, uh, they're very much, uh, I mean, they're, they're really almost, uh, XML files. And so if you're used to editing XML or even HTML, uh, you will probably find them pretty easy to edit. In other words, they, they often have like, you know, opening tags and closing tags, kind of like you would see in HTML. 
and it, it's different than uh, than other window managers that I have found in that regard. I have found, to me, the XML files tend to be a little bit more, not complicated. I mean, it's not that complicated looking at it, but it's just there's more. I mean, you know, for example, you've got to, in Flexbox, when you have an, you know, a, a pro, an, an entry in the menu to execute Firefox, you would just have PROG, I think it was, in brackets, and then Firefox in quotes or in, in parentheses, and then the command in curly braces or something like that. And here you've got to have, you know, an item uh, tag with a label with an, an opening tag. Then you have an action tag, and I think the name is execute. And then you have another tag for the execute itself, and then you have the command, and then you close the execute tag, and then you close the action tag, and then you close the item tag. So it's just a lot more there to to um, to edit the menu. But it, it makes sense, and it's very clear, and it's probably a better way to do it for a variety of reasons. There are uh, GUI tools to help you do that. Well, first of all, you can use that menu maker program I, I mentioned during Flexbox. You can use that to create a uh, open box uh, menu. You would just type me, uh, M Maker space, and then I think it's Open Box Three. I think that's right, and I think it's capital O capital B, Open Box Three, and that will create a menu for Open Box. Um, let's see what else about Open Box can I can I tell you about? Uh, it as I said, it does not have any panel or toolbar, if you will. So you, if you want a panel or a toolbar, then you'll need to use a third party one and a couple options are you can use there are uh, panels that don't have anything to do with any particular window manager for example my favorite is uh, called py panel it's a python uh, application the problem with it is i think the development on py panel has stopped but it's really nice very customizable it's just a single little configuration file and you can put all the settings in there for the icons and the where the taskbar is and the clock and all that kind of stuff there's also Perl panel. There's also FB panel. That's another one I've used is FB panel. And you can also run the KDE kicker or the GNOME panel if you want uh, to, if you, you know, if you want a panel for your open box session. And I'll uh, include some links to various documents on how to do that. It's not that complicated. All you would do, just like what I was talking about last week about the .xinitrc file, that's a file that has applications that will run on your X session startup. And so in there you could put, let's say you're using PY panel. You could put PY panel space ampersand and then the command to start open box. And that will load up PY panel first and then load up open box. Uh, and that works out pretty well. So, but anyway, like I said, I'll put some, some links on, on how to do that. Uh, so those are sort of, I guess, you know, uh, some of the features of OpenBox. One more thing with OpenBox, and this works with other window managers too. I didn't really mention it last week, but you can use OpenBox with GNOME or KDE. And as I said, you can use other window managers with GNOME and KDE too. And it would, re would replace Metacity in the place of GNOME, and it would replace the KDE window manager, which I think is, is that KWIN or I forget. But uh, there are ways to to use uh, other window managers within a desktop environment. And I have used OpenBox with GNOME before, and it works pretty well. I mean, it's, you know, it replaces Metacity. And the reason why some people would do that is they feel that the window manager, whether it's OpenBox or something else, has more configuration uh, options than uh, Metacity, let's say, uh, for example. And that's probably true. Metacity's options are sort of limited, but... Uh, Anyway, that's a that's another topic for another day. Uh, so that's OpenBox. I definitely recommend you check out OpenBox. I really like it. If you like Fluxbox or Blackbox or one of those, you'll like OpenBox. 
it's got enough things similar that you'll be comfortable and used to it, but it's got enough differences to make things interesting. And uh, as I said, sort of the biggest differences are that the, the, the configuration files are different than, than Fluxbox. The fact that it doesn't have its own panel is a little bit different. And some of just the little things like the, you know, the window resistance and the, you know, the customized and, uh, the, the keys and the mouse and that kind of thing. I, I know you can customize your key bindings in Fluxbox, but you know what I mean. So that's Openbox. Um, another one is uh, Enlightenment. And actually, I haven't used, I, I had said these are the ones I've used a little bit more. I have used Enlightenment some, and I'm talking about E17 or DR17. This is the, the, the bleeding edge version of Enlightenment. There was a version of Enlightenment called, I guess, E16, and it came out many years ago, three or four or five years ago, and that was the last sort of official stable release. And it has not really been updated. They've been working on a new version of, of Enlightenment called E17 or DR17. Uh, but um, Enlightenment is very cool. It's very different. It's not really that different, but the effects. Enlightenment is all about the cool effects, the cool eye candy. And it's got really nifty, like, um, backgrounds that are animated. Uh, like you can have a background of a starry night and the stars twinkle or um, sort of glowing and sort of, you know, throbbing lights and, and uh, you know, pulsing lights and stuff on your background. It sounds kind of kind of crazy, but it's true. It works really neat, and it's sort of, you know, like rippling waters through your menus and stuff, and it's just very different. So what I would definitely recommend is that if you're interested in, in Enlightenment, before you try finding how, how to do it for your distribution, because it's very bleeding edge, very kind of hard to get, you really need to find the right packages. Uh, you don't want to try to build this yourself. But there's an eLive CD, a live CD out there. I think it's called eLive. And that is a, a um, live CD. And I don't remember what distribution it's based on, but it has Enlightenment 17 as its default desktop so or default window manager. So that's a good way to check it out. Uh, some interesting things about Enlightenment is they, you know, they're working on some of their own pieces, some additional pieces like their own file manager and some other little applications. So... It's not really a full-blown desktop environment, but it's more than OpenBox or Fluxbox. It, it comes with more, but it's just it's different. It's it's pretty cool. And then the last uh, of the group that I've used more than than the next group I'm going to get to uh, is one called Rat Poison. And uh, I definitely do not recommend Rat Poison for for many folks. <laughs> it's um it's different. It is very different. If you're used to using your keyboard mostly, and if you're used to, if you've used Screen, the program Screen, I've talked about it once or twice, I haven't done an episode on it, and I will at some point, then you might want to check out Rat Poison, but Rat Poison, I like Rat Poison quite a bit. It's, it's when you run it, um, basically all that it is, it's, it's a way to have, you can have, you can split your screen your, you know, your monitor, if you will, into sections. And you can have one window, one window space. You could have two, you could have four, you could have three, you know, you could have two on one side and one big one on the next side. And, uh, and then you can, of course, run GUI applications like Firefox or what have you in these little boxes, in these little windows, uh, if you will, or panels. But it, I mean, it is talking about minimal. You know, it's minimalistic. I mean, it has. There's no root menu. There's no icons. No panel. Nothing. I mean, it is just you run it, and there's nothing there. And 
Control T is the main command, and that pulls up the sort of the, you'll see a little in the corner a little little space, almost like a little command prompt, and you can type in rat poison commands or you can type in stuff there. Uh, Control T and then question mark will get you a little help file, and there's one config file and it's in your home directory called dot rat poison RC, and that's where you can configure your key bindings and and shortcuts and that kind of thing, but. It's very, and it doesn't, I don't think it uses the mouse. I don't think the mouse does anything in Rat Poison. At least I've never used the mouse in Rat Poison. But it's really com- keyboard command driven, and it's a way for you to just display windows. And, and I mean, it's it's nifty. I really like it, but, you know, I'm kind of weird in that way. Uh, so that's, uh, those are uh, three that I've used a little bit more than these than this next group. And the next group of ones that I was going to mention, well, the first one is Window Maker. And Window Maker is also pretty unique. It's one I've really not used much at all. It's it's apparently it's like it's modeled after Next Step, which I guess was just a sort of a desktop environment system for I think wasn't I don't even know the whole history. I won't even go into it. I know a little bit, but I'll probably say the wrong thing. So, uh, but it's a different kind of window manager. It has sort of boxes in the corners, and when you run an application. It, it sort of creates a new icon on the, on the side of the screen that you can then move around and group together and clip together. And, and it, and it has a root menu. I think if you right click on the desktop or maybe it's middle click, I forget, but you'll get a root menu. And it does have a nice little GUI configuration tool. That's one nice thing about Window Maker. When you, in the default setup, one of the icons that's there, if you double click it, you'll get to a GUI configuration screen where you can, where you can configure a whole bunch of stuff with Window Maker. Uh, so it's different. I've never really spent much time with it. So, but if you're, you know, if you're looking for something unique, I would definitely check that out. Another one, uh, is FVWM. And the thing about FVWM is it's apparently extremely customizable. I mean, it, you can dictate just about literally anything from what I understand. It's almost like you're building your own window manager from, from the, from my understanding, the way I've looked at it. But it's supposed to be a little difficult to customize because of that, uh, um, because it's so complex. There is a project out there called FVWM-Crystal, which attempts to put sort of a package together of a nice-looking theme that's something to start with. And I have used FVWM-Crystal, and it it is nice. It is different, and it's pretty cool. And I would you know I would check that out if you you know if you have any interest in that. But I don't have any experience with customizing FVWM at all, so. You'll have to, you know, I, I have found some links to some resources that I'll put in the show notes for FVWM. Let's see, another one is called Ion3, and uh, Ion3 is interesting. In fact, it's it's interesting because I got an email from a listener named uh, Bjorn, and so let me actually read you his email because I thought it was very helpful. I think it's great how your podcast is reaching out to new or future users of Linux. I find it exciting to hear how your listeners are so happy about discovering a new world of computing using mostly free software. In regards to your coming episode about smaller window managers, you might want to mention a very interesting, although lesser known, window manager that you might have heard about called Ion. When using conventional window managers, I often find myself manually organizing windows by dragging them around with the mouse. For example, if I have to look at a web page while typing commands in a terminal. In Ion, windows will never overlap each other, but instead gets organized in tiled workspaces with tabbed frames. The window manager itself also doesn't require the use of a mouse, which is a great ergonomic advantage. Uh, I agree with you there. 
Uh, Ion doesn't appear intuitive at first. Reading the man page is an absolute requirement and may look a bit daunting. Even so, I find it to be one of the most exciting window managers out there. Definitely worth taking a closer look at. Uh, so that's an email from Bjorn. So uh, definitely check out Ion 3. I have used it a little bit, but not very much. It look it does look very cool, I have to admit. I, that's one I'm going to be exploring more uh, after this episode, in fact. So uh, anyway, uh, check out Ion 3. And the last one here is uh, one called PECWM. And the, the PECWM is it's sort of similar to Fluxbox or Openbox in the sense that it's you know, it's so you got your root menu and you just, you can just put in, uh, you can customize your menu to, to run applications and then it's just a normal window manager. It's a little bit different. I mean, it does have window grouping, which is nice, similar to Ion, I guess, or Fluxbox. Um, it has some, uh, it has a nice key grabber. It supports keychains. It does have one, um, I mean, everything is in your .pecwm file. I mean, I mean, directory in your home directory. And I think Dave Yates uh, of the Lot of Linux Links talked about PECWM. It's very small, very minimalistic, and it, it looks uh, looks pretty interesting. Their documentation is not bad on the website. The website is very hard to navigate, I think, uh, but the net, but the documentation is pretty good, and it does look to be relatively uh, you know highly developed and and I mean actively developed, I should say. So uh, definitely check out PECWM. That's one I'm going to probably have to look at a little bit more too. So. Uh, anyway, those are just kind of a high-level view of some additional window managers. We've got uh, OpenBox, Enlightenment, Rat Poison, uh, Window Maker, FVWM, Ion3, and PECWM. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, very cool stuff out there. And, you know, that's just what I love about Linux is, again, the whole idea about choice. There's so many different window managers and desktop environments. I mean, between KDE, GNOME, um, XFCE, IceWM, uh, Fluxbox, and then these seven or eight. I mean, you've got more than ten different window managers, and there's more out there. There's one called, I think, Evil WM, and there's there's more. So, I mean, there's something there for everybody, and that's just what's so cool about Linux. So, I just think that's really really neat. Let's check out a listener tip. To start, press any key. Where's the any key? I see Esk, Katarl, and Pigup. There doesn't seem to be any any key. Hey Jess, this is Eric from the Netherlands. I've got a listener's tip for you. Um, and since this is a, a podcast for the beginning uh, Linux user, uh, I think I'll keep it simple. Uh, I've also just started with Linux. I uh, tried to uh, set up a, something that uh, also is possible in Windows to start a program automatically when I start the user interface. Um, and I found it here in Linux that you have to add uh, the shortcut to uh, that start executable. Um, you should place that in uh, your home directory uh, and then uh, .kde and then uh, slash auto start. If you place there uh, the shortcuts to the file what executes the program then uh, it automatically starts when the user interface started. So I think uh, that should be a useful uh, tip. Love your show. Thanks. Bye. Message for you, sir. All right. Well, thanks so much, Eric, for that listener tip. 
Uh, I got uh, some uh, feedback on the Fluxbox episode, that I, as I mentioned at the very beginning of, of this episode. A couple of them were in the uh, posted in the forums to the episode 35 uh, link, or the, or the show notes, I guess, in the forums. And then I got an email also. And I'm not going to just sit and read them all because, I mean, you can obviously go to the forums and read them. But I just wanted to highlight a couple of things and uh, encourage you to check out those comments if you've got, you know, if you want to find out a little bit more because some of them sort of repeated each other. And one is I wanted to, um, the FB set BG uh, command that I mentioned as a way to set the, set the background. Evidently that's just a wrapper uh, or, you know, it's just a script that will run different other things that you may have, such as Faye, for example, the, the, the little application I mentioned. Uh, and so it just looks for the best background setter, if you will. And, uh, but anyway, so for whatever that's worth, I think I had described it as a separate as a separate application in and of itself. Um, another thing is uh, uh, was I had talked about the startup directory, and I knew when I was saying that that I didn't. I was trying to remember off the top of my head because I don't use that, and I just don't. I couldn't remember how it worked. And I guess the way it is is that's actually just a. It's just a. a oh, it's just like a little. It's just a file, I guess, where you can enter, where you can put in commands things that you want to start up uh, as long as you start Fluxbox a certain way. So, uh, And then there's also, and this is, I can't believe I forgot this, there is another uh, configuration file called apps that I forgot about, and I can't believe I forgot about that because I have used apps. Uh, but that's where you can set defaults for different applications, like where they start and, and different different things that you can do, and that is really cool. That is very handy because sometimes, for example, I'll like to have you know my, my web browser on one um uh, on one uh, desktop, uh, my terminal on another or something or, you know, and so you can set those in apps and that way when you start a Fluxbox, all those things will start up for you and everything will be set exactly the way you want it. So that's pretty cool. And then the last thing is about the themes. I had mentioned Freshmate, but there's several others, but I want to point out one in particular. There's a guy named Tenor and his website is tenr.de and he has some awesome themes. I actually am using some of his themes, and I can't believe I didn't really think to mention his site in, in particular. I do apologize, Tenor. There's a lot of Fluxbox themes out there on the Internet, and some of them are really good, and some are not so hot, and a lot of them tend to look the same. But I think Tenor's themes are different, and they're much more updated-looking, much they're just better, and they're just really high quality, I think, and there's a lot of variety there. So definitely check out his his site if you're interested. If you like Fluxbox and you're, you're looking for some additional themes, uh, definitely check out his site. So, okay, that's enough about Fluxbox. Let's get on to some other feedback here. Uh, first one is an um, email here I got from, from Joe Fred. This was interesting. He said, just a quick feedback on the show order. I hope you can keep the new order. I hope you can get a discussion on why one order is best. The reason for wanting the main topic first is that your podcasts have a logical order. For new users trying to catch up, it is good to be able to play the main topic and skip all the user feedback. When trying to go back to old shows to repeat, there is a lot of user feedback and so on in the start of the file. It usually will take a long time to find what you are after. Take into consideration how users can catch up with the old episodes when they find your podcast in a year, two years, or even more. Two-year-old two user feedback is not very interesting, but the basic core of the shows will be useful for a long time. So even if users prefer the old order in a vote, please ask if they have any practical reason for this. When you hear a new episode, the show order does not matter as much to me, but for the archive, it would actually be good if the old shows were re-edited to help users trying to start from episode one. 
I found the show recently and found it very interesting. I've wanted to learn Linux, Unix for 10 to 15 years, but the experience has been very, it's been very limited up to now. Your show has made me start again and given a lot of inspiration. Keep up the great work. Well, Joe, that's a great email, and those are some excellent, excellent points. And I understand exactly what you're saying, and that makes that makes good sense. And that is definitely a factor for me to consider. And I'm still I'm still keeping the whole thing open as to what order to go with. But yeah, I mean, I can't I can't really argue with that. I mean, I can say this: I don't think I'll be going back and editing the old shows. <laughs> Um, that would take a lot of work because especially those old shows were all done manually. I mean, in terms of my editing, um, I don't know. Maybe someday if I have a lot of free time, which with two young kids probably is not going to be time soon. But uh, that's a good point. But thank you, Joeford. Uh, then I got an email here from uh, Regil, and forgive me if I don't pronounce that right, but he says, Hi there, Chess. Very great job you're doing now. I'm not a new Linux user, but I do find your podcast very informative. I use it to convince those people I tried to switch from Windows to Linux that Linux is not that complicated as they thought. I'm just dreaming of a Linux-dominated world one day and no more blue screens for us. Thanks so much for the effort, and we'll be looking forward to every podcast show in the future. May the Tux power be with us all. Thanks, Regil. That is a great email, and you're right. Tux power with us all. That's what I'm trying to do. Spread the word. Uh, last email here that I'll read for this week is from Ed. Ed says, hey, just listen to the first two episodes of your cast. I found it most informative, but also highly listenable. I am new to Linux Nix, having spent about two months playing with Slackware 10.2. This type of background information is most helpful to me. I just wish I had tried Linux earlier, as I have been using PC since the days of CPM, MS-DOS, Windows, etc. Once again, thanks for the excellent work. Now back to episode three. Uh, well, Ed, cool. And, you know, of course, if you're only at episode three, maybe you're at four or five now, you probably won't hear me respond to your feedback for like another month or two. So, uh, but maybe you've caught up by now. I don't know. But thanks, Ed, uh, for sending that email and Regil and for everybody else who has sent me emails, uh, this past week or two. I've gotten a lot and it's been a lot of great feedback. So thanks so much. I really do appreciate it. Time to wrap it up. Okay, well, that has uh, wrapped up our little discussion of window managers, and maybe it's something we'll come back to from time to time. I really encourage you to check out as many of those window managers as you can. And if nothing else, if for no other reason, it will just show you the the, the, sh the sheer variety of things that you can do in Linux that you know you just can't do in Windows or Mac OS X. Can you imagine running all, all these crazy window managers on the Mac? I mean, there's no way you could do it. I mean, maybe you can, but... You know, that whole thing is built around the one uh, environment that they give you, and that's it. So I love having the choice, and so I encourage you to check those out. Let's see. You can send me general feedback and listener tips to linuxreality at gmail.com. And, of course, you call the hotline. I haven't gotten many calls at the hotline lately. 206-338-6359. Uh, or you can use that Odeo web-based uh, free system that I've got a link to on the home page. Uh, let's see. Next week, we're going to take a look at something kind of cool. Uh, we're going to talk about SSH. I think that'll be fun. I think that'll be very helpful. So stay tuned for that. Until then, this has been Linux Reality, Episode 36. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.